When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. That was machine like in its that efficiency. Was... <laughs> yeah. I'm a robot. <laughs> Roll it. He was rehearsing all week. Dad Band Land is back, everybody. Did you miss us? We missed you all week long, although we love you on the social medias. This is Dad Band Dad Land. Dad Band Land. The podcast that discusses all the music you love from the perspective of a neighborhood cover band. I am Adam Felber, your host, and right over here... Hi, I am Kevin ...is Burke. my co-host. I am Kevin Burke, his co-host and guitarist in our band, When Our Band Exists, and our um, and he, you play piano in our band, When Our Band Exists. Well, keyboard, yes. Sure. Keyboard when it exists. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even know what instrument you played. That's how how little that's I looked how, over to see what you do during some of these. Songs. That's how much of a guitarist you are. <laughs> how are you doing this week, Kev? <laughs> What's that? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm less discombobulated. Last week I was I was definitely discombobulated. A lot of travel, a lot of stress, but uh, now I'm here and I'm ready to do. I'm combobulated. I'm combobulated. Completely combobulated. 
So that should work and, out well. And what, what are we doing in our in our breakdown section? Well, the breakdown, you, you know, preview? breakdown section. Eh, we're gonna, you know what? Here's the thing. We've been interacting with a lot of people on social media and seeing that there's a lot of common denominators out there. And um, one of those things is the sort of journey that leads you from being a teenager who wants to play music to being an adult who wants to play music and how they're very similar things ultimately because you're not making money and you're not, you know, you don't have a career out of it. And so we're gonna start exploring sort of the journey of the parent band, the journey of how we became musicians and how everyone at home who listens to this can enjoy that. Yeah. So we're out of songs to break down. What? Let's no! introduce what? other people. <laughs> hey, hey, over there, Jeffy Branion, uh, uh, hey, proprietor of, of uh, Jeffy's Jukebox. What do, you, what do you got going on and what do you got for us tonight? Well, tonight on Jeffy's Jukebox, we're going to be discussing the best American bands. American? Oh. no British groups. All right. Oh, Brits. There are American bands? Yeah, I guess yes. and there are best ones. Yes. You know what? No one thinks about that. Uh, yeah. Whatever category you want to pick, you know, best bands from Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's going to be a best. <laughs> there, yeah. there, there is. There, there is. will be And a if best. any of our listeners out there know of that, hit us up on the socials or on dadbandland at gmail.com and let us know the best Wyoming band you ever heard of. Yeah, and, and I'm <laughs> asking because that's where I was born. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I knew that in the back of my I did, mind. I did, not, I did not know that. I just learned something. You've today. been everywhere, man. You've been I've everywhere. Been hey, Brian weird. Frank, <laughs> band manager Brian Frank, proprietor of Brian's House of Wax. <laughs> what's what's the non-whack wax in your house of <laughs> this week? <laughs> am, I, am I the uh, the resident of the house or the yeah, owner the of the, the house? Of, that's yeah. a good question. Does he own the You're house? The Did he build evil. it? Yeah. Is he a resident, yeah. an inmate? Am I is renting? He, is he renting it, to own? I'm not sure. I think, I think it's more than own. a concierge situation. He's at least renting to own. He might even <laughs> have a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. <laughs> what? Thank God before they raise the rates. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, Locked in. Rent control. That, that's, that's what a dad concept, by the way. We were talking about mortgage <laughs> rates before you go into the house of wax. Anyhow, what's the house of wax? <laughs> so on brand. <laughs> yep. Tonight, tonight in the house of wax, we will be talking about the Clash's fifth and penultimate album, Combat Rock. All right. Oh, that's great. Some would consider it their last. Yeah, Some yeah. would. Some would. One of but the, it's not. Yes. But they'd be wrong. Technically. They'd be wrong. <laughs> well, we'll discuss all of that when we get to Brian's House and of Wax. More. But now let's clear the floor, clear the benches. Kevin, uh, introduce this concept that you were just waxing on about. Yeah, the whole, the whole, I was waxing on about The this. moment you realized you needed a band. What are you asking me? And then I can answer well, it. Well, I, don't I realize there's yet. some things. I mean, for as long as we've been playing together, there's things I don't know about you in terms of what got you into this and why you got here. There's things you may not know about me. You know, I talk about it all the time. And, <laughs> and and I realized there is a parallel. Like when I was a teenager and I played music, it, it wasn't for money. It was maybe for a hope of someday being successful at it, but it was really to hang out with people and have a good time. And then that pretty much is what we do it for as an adult. Like in some ways we've gotten back to the pure version of playing music for the fun of playing music. And I mean, we're both in entertainment. So there's a couple, you know, there's a period of time in there where, Maybe, you know, music could have been part of our lives, you know, where people I know followed it and didn't quite make it in that place. And so when you get to a certain level like we are, you're doing it just for fun again. And I thought that might be fun yeah. to actually find out what got you into this. Like what you you, Adam Felber. I mean, I know you're from the the 
the New York area, then the Boston area, then the. You can say Long Island. It's not a. It's not a dirty word. But I, I didn't know that specifically because I'm. I'm not from there. One mile from where Billy Joel grew up. It's okay. Oh, I can really? really? It. Does it? Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. That, I didn't realize. I was, so I was close. in Jericho. He's from Hicksville. You know that. You know that couple of paintings from Sears. Um, <laughs> I do that, not. That, that Brenda and Eddie <laughs> bought in in scenes from an Italian restaurant. Oh sure. That Sears was directly between mine and Billy's house. Oh, that's outrageous. So you guys hung out together as kids. No. There's several levels on which I find that offensive, but I'm going to stick with the age one. Well, you're both piano players. Yeah, I assume all right? piano both, players hang out. That was Kevin's that opening. That was my bit. Yeah. They yeah, all he's, hang out. He's a deal older than me. Um. Okay, but so anyhow, so what, what I because I'm I'm from Pittsburgh and I and I you know grew up in a sort of different environment. So I, I don't know when when did you start playing piano, and when were you like I. I've got to do this in a band or with other people. Like, I can't just play, I can't be playing chopsticks by myself anymore. I need to play this. This is all my generic knowledge of piano players and what you all do. What, <laughs> what, what was that like? Oh, I see. That's a two-part question, two-part answer for me. I'm guessing it's a one-part answer for you. <laughs> yes. Um, the thing is, from the moment my parents wheeled an ancient player piano into my basement when I was four years old and had it electrified so they could play antique piano Wait, a roles. a player piano? I, like like the kind of ghost, like a ghost would play that I know? And oh, like, oh yeah. yeah. And my mom collected <laughs> probably 500 piano rolls and, and it was, and they had it electrified so you didn't have to pump the bellows. And uh, the, from the minute that, that thing was- That sounds like moved, a euphemism. This, this also explains yeah. your comedy career as well, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, we had a ghost piano in our basement. And from the minute that was rolled in there when I was four or five, I wanted, lessons uh although for some reason a local piano teacher said he should not learn until he's seven so for my seventh birthday i got <laughs> piano lessons and played oh and that's it so uh, that was that was and that was your choice or that was that was forced upon you was it like sports to, to a lot of kids no, as i said from the moment it was moved into the house you had I wanted you wanted, it. I wanted you needed wanted to make it work i wanted lessons yeah oh, absolutely okay. i was playing that thing all the time uh, however i didn't really play with a band until I mean, a couple of people asked me to be in bands when I was in junior high school, but who cares about that? Um, when I was in high school, I was kind of roped into the high school jazz band by this new music director who'd moved to the school. And I played keyboard in our, in our stage and jazz band. And we played really cool things like uh, we played Birdland by Weather Report and stuff like that. Oh, interesting. But you went, yeah, you it was went super fun. You went the route, the, the establishment route, I suppose. You well, played. no, here I'm, I'm, I have <laughs> such a funny story to eventually tell you about our kind of scammy trip to Switzerland. Oh, man, you know what? I got a I got a high school I jazz band. I got to hold that off because I, I can't get we got. I'm not going to tell we got to save it. So here's the, the thing. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to end this and say when I got to college. And was no longer playing in a band. I had my little Yamaha DX7 in my dorm room. But I was no longer playing in that stage band. And I suddenly realized how much I missed making music with other people. Oh, and I realized I was going to have to have some bands. And in my freshman year of college, I think I joined three different bands, one of which gigged around, around the campus. So you got tired of pumping the bellows by yourself is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, solo. Yes, all those long nights pumping the bellows. So that, that was, that's really where my <laughs> genesis of it was. I was like, I didn't realize I was going to miss it until I missed it. And then I, I guess I must have discovered something there in the well, establishment. I want to hear more about and that. That's and that's how I, the bellows pumpers were that's born. How, that's how one pumps the bellows. I feel like we're fixating on these bellows pumping, which was, as I said, was well, not, that's not the a thing. Pumping. Like, that's, that's the universal thing. I thought thing that was that the name of the band. Everyone understands, yes. <laughs> no, it wasn't the name. The of the bellows band. pumpers. Yeah, the bellows pumpers. No, the name of the band is way more well, embarrassing. Well, it's not than the that. name of the but band Kevin, yet. 
Kevin, how about you? To speak so your there piece. Was no, there was no player piano in my basement. There was no musical instrument anywhere in my house. But I loved music, and, and I had friends who played piano because that was the only thing you could do as a kid, but it seemed like that seemed like a chore. That seemed like, you know, that didn't seem fun, so I didn't do it. But I wasn't a jock, and, and I remember I went to, to I went to nine years of Catholic school, so it was a small group of yeah. people, and definitely I was big. The Satanic Panic is absolutely my jam. That is absolutely why I'm I'm still into all these horror movies and heavy metal for that for that reason. But I remember distinctly you were into the danger. I was into the danger, you know, and it was. Yeah. Uh, but I remember distinctly, like I I, I didn't have, I, I mean I loved movies and I loved I was an artist, but I didn't have. A place in middle school. I wasn't a jock, and I was I was really delicate. I was real scrum. I looked like you were painting a really fucking bleak picture. It was bleak. Yeah. You know what? So like, were you? Did you, then become, I was, did you then become a welder who danced at night? Yeah. That you know what? That's not too far from the <laughs> truth. No. It uh. It was. Well, the point is, I didn't find anything that I felt like that I could do until I saw until I saw Eddie Van Halen, Alice Cooper, guys in Motley Crue, and I was like, that's that's me. That's where scrawny long-haired people can do. I love guitar. I want, I need to know how to play this. And then immediately saved up my paper out money to buy a guitar. And that's oh, where it I, came from. I got my first electric keyboard and my second with paper out money. Paper out. It's not even a job anymore. I can't even explain to my kids no. what I did to get <laughs> paper that Paper isn't even a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I saved my money and I was like, I can do this. I And that was the first time I felt like I had any semblance of identity. You know, like, uh, the, is, and you know what? We, we'll talk about this in detail. I want to get into more detail, like, a, as we move on later weeks. But I, I, we started, we're starting bands and stuff. And we were both, you and I were both doing entertainment while playing music. So this kind of went on simultaneously. I wanted to make movies and play music. But I needed a driving uh-huh. force. I needed something in my daily life to do. And when did you know you wanted a band with other people? Or did you uh, never even notice that you were playing with other people? Um, I wanted a band immediately. That's a question specifically for a guitarist. Yeah, that's oh, that's interesting. Well, there are plenty of years yeah. where I played a lot of guitar by myself, and that's why I became a big Prince fan because he could play all the instruments by himself and not have to have friends in a band. But we, my first band was in eighth grade, and it wasn't even a real band. It was called Chaos, and there was a lot more artwork drawn of the Chaos logo than any actual performances or rehearsal of Chaos. The Chaos logo had a bone, was made out of bones like the Twisted Sister logo. I could draw is it for there, you right now. Is there existing? Is there is there art we could see? There might be some Apple two GS uh, oh, uh, designs. I could go I could dig find up. some chaos logos. Yeah, did I could spell I, it a Z? see that. No, it was spelled. You no, spelled with a K at the beginning and a Z at the end. Look, it was it was spelled like the word chaos, and so people were like Chaos. I didn't hang out with the smartest people sometimes, and they were like, "What's your band Chaos?" But it was chaos for God's sake. And uh, no, we never played. <laughs> we never played any actual music. We just dreamed of playing music. So my actual band didn't start until high school. But I wanted a band. I wanted to be a Motley Crue. Was it crew. called Chaos? No. Chaos never became a real band. <laughs> chaos could become... It. Yeah, Chaos, like the Bellows Pumpers, is a name that's free for any of us to use right now. Yeah. yeah. Except Chaos was actually a notional band of yours, and Bellows Pumper is something that the three of you just invented <laughs> to make fun of me. It's a, it's a free name, is my point. Yeah, yeah, no. We're, yeah, we're, no. we're not making mean, fun of what you. What do you mean, we're just notional? Telling it how it is. Like it wasn't a notional it's not band for fun. you. No, we're celebrating. It it. We're celebrating. What yeah. a great idea it was. Yeah, it's fine. Don't. You shouldn't be ashamed you of know, it. You know, we did also no, have like an old fashioned. We did also have a tiny old fashioned pump organ in our basement oh, too my mom was an antique collector if that hasn't struck you guys yet well also can i collector add, of things add, that needed to be pumped apparently let me add to this my brother my brother's a <laughs> wow. drummer and my brother was a uh what 
Yes, interesting. <laughs> oh, your brother accurate? was a drummer. Oh, my brother is a drummer, so, and he and he is younger than me. So we both grew up, you know, Van Halen inspired, obviously. But he he toured for a bit. Like he had a record out for his band, you know, back in the two thousands. Like he actually followed it all the way through. So both uh, he and I came from a household with no musical background to needing to do this. So something was going on there. I'm still trying to figure out what was going on there that made us need to find music in that capacity, but we both did because it was not it was not passed down to us by a player piano. That is certainly not true. <laughs> All it right. Was the water in the Cayuga River. <laughs> the Monog- Cuyahoga. The Monongahela River. <laughs> and I think it's Cuyahoga because my dad grew up in Cleveland and I I remember when I was a kid, we always used to make fun of Cleveland and Ohio because it's fun to make fun of dad. And one day on the news, like a gift from heaven, was the news that Cleveland's Cuyahoga, or whatever it's called, river, had caught fire. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> this was the late 70s. Yeah, it was, <laughs> and yeah. that was uh, the uh, inspiration for Smoke, Smoke on the Water on. by Deep Purple. Yes. <laughs> Opposite of true. But yes, thank you, Brian. <laughs> and you know what? Speaking of notional wonderful things, yes. I'm going to throw to our notional wonderful sponsors, because if you build it, they will come. Dad Bandland will be back after this. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we are back, Dan You know what, Kevin Burke? Yeah. I wanna, I wanna challenge you to replace that um, generic musical sting that Kyle has found for us with your own shredding oh, guitar. I could, I could probably replace it identically <laughs> so that it sounds pretty much the same, but not, not better. Yeah, can I make yeah. a verse? But no, version that's of that? that's. <laughs> can you make yeah, a better make a, version? Oh, How about oh okay, yeah, I can do that. A better How about would be set preferred. your sights a little higher. Oh, you know what? Uh, ambition. A couple of little program notes. While we were uh, gone, uh, Kyle had texted us. We didn't see it during the last segment. I feel like all older brothers make their younger brother play drums. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which you know what? I didn't, I didn't realize was true. But I'm thinking about some people I know, and that's that is definitely. Uh, we're not the first band to do that. My brother and I. We're not the first brothers to make that happen. So, no, apparently not. What's um, and by the way. Uh, Kevin, you you want you want people to share? Oh yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, love this this what? invention of yours. We're talking about our experience of how we became a well, dad band. Everyone going has all the that way back. moment. I, I, your moment seemed to take a long time, but everyone has that moment where they're like, "I need to do this." You know, I mean, like like this is going to be my thing. It's not going to be baseball. It's not going to be the Junior Academy of Science. Like, I'm going to play in a band. I'm going to play drums. I'm going to do this. We're going to start rehearsing. Like, I've got to make this There's happen. There's a Junior Academy of Science. Oh yes, I might have I might have been a member of that organization before my before my. <laughs> Uh, before I found the guitar. <laughs> All right, is there before a you make again? before you make me even sadder. That's like the dad band. That's the dad band of, of scientists now. It's the Senior Academy of Science. We have found something sadder than dad bands. Hey, let's move from from that veil of tears known as suburban Pittsburgh over to a different veil of tears. It's <laughs> <laughs> that's it's right. One of our favorite segments, definitely top five. It is time for Jeffy's Jukebox. Hit the theme. Oh, yeah. There's still no theme. There's still no theme. Oh, right. We've been talking about that. that Maybe there will be a um, theme. Maybe, maybe, Maybe this is the day. This is the week. 
since I've yeah, been maybe it will. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But in the Jimmy meantime, Brandon, talk to me about the jukebox. Well, let's talk about our uh, uh, best American bands. And as I said, no Brits allowed. Um, mm. And uh, I'm going to start with the uh, low-hanging fruit, as it were. Um, and uh, then I think we can open it up to the floor and everybody can present maybe two. And then okay. we'll, we'll run through a list at the end uh, provided by a mix of us. How do we define best? Just best? Your like, favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Favorites? And I think, I think the context I here mean, is like when people make lists of best bands, everyone puts the Stones, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin on it. Like once you take that out of there, what, who are the best bands that America made? So like, uh, Jeffrey, do you want to do your, your first, you want to drop your two first on us? I can, if you want to. I'd love if you to want hear that. Me to. Um, Let's hear it. <laughs> I was going to go with the Beach Boys. Ooh. 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 And Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. Damn it! Wow. <laughs> Two fantastic choices there. That's actually, I did not, one of those was, was on my short list, and uh, it was not the Beach Boys, but uh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, wow. both classic, you, you say anything about classic American sounds. I mean, I'm going to say, I'm kind of going to say the same thing about both. Uh, classic American sounds kind of are the... Uh, uh, best examples of their genre, you know. Oh, right. True, true, and and qu quintessentially American. A hundred percent. I wouldn't have thought of the Beach Boys. I'm so glad the Beach Boys exist. They wouldn't have even been on my short list, uh, just because. <laughs> just because uh, you know, I I love them, but you know, me and Kevin both believe that Pet Sounds is overrated. It's true. Um, it's true. It's true that we believe but that. It's also true that it's overrated. You can't deny the, their influence and Absol the, 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 absolutely, their absolutely. And, and in power. that in that context, when I first learned about them, they were such an oldies band. I never took them seriously. So as I get older, I keep finding out there's more, far more to them than I ever realized. Then pet sounds. And, and then there's pet sounds. But I like surfs up. I like yeah. some of the stranger ones that people don't think about. So. Yeah, I like um, some of the later will, stuff. Let's, let's, yeah. let's move on to Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, yes. because we were all asked to pick two, and I'm not going to, you know, it's just going to be, it's not, it's precedented, as Brian might point out. <laughs> um, Earth, Wind, and Fire was one of my top two. Oh, that's great. Uh, the, I spent, I think I told the listeners this before, but I spent all of last summer just on an Earth, Wind, and Fire tour. That's just what I put on when I got in the They're car. They're amazing. They're amazing. I mean... Uh, it's hard for me to put them in the same sentence as almost any other band because every single member of that band just shreds and they have so much good material spanning so many years. Just do yourself a favor, put on, you know, open up your Apple Music or your Spotify and put on an Earth, Wind & Fire Essentials playlist. You will not be disappointed. Agreed. Kevin, what are your what are your top two? Because oh, I'm sensing yeah, it was neither of those. It Well, yeah, I, mean, I, had, I had a tough time because I, I think about a lot of great bands. So being the... One here who goes who goes more with the heavy guitar rock. I had to pick number one for me is Van Halen, as it was part of my early story. And and the reason, I mean, there's many reasons why Van Halen's my pick, but I think Van Halen did a very specific thing of elevating things from from the blues based rock of the Stones and and Led Zeppelin. Like they, <clears throat> David Lee Roth didn't want to be Eddie was obviously Eddie. David Lee Roth wanted to be James Brown, and they created this weird thing like this big rock sound, which was like catchy pop songs with heavy rock, which really 
it, it just that defines me, and that defined it. That defined that to me is like one of the greatest things that American rock. Do they do they pass the test that I think was a kind of a beautiful thing that Jeffy uh, brought up was are they the best example of their genre? I think so. Ultimate I, to me, absolutely, and I, I think one of the like beyond Aerosmith. Yeah, I, I think so because Aerosmith was coming out of that Stones sort of thing. Like Van Halen was doing okay. very much a West Coast. And also had to do with the differences of the, of the singer versus guitar player. They had different sounds. You know, when Dave leaves, they become just a generic classic rock band. Do you know? There's a weird time yeah. in oh, which they're... That's an awesome, that's an awesome point. Um, yep, but uh, then my second one has got to be Metallica. My reason for Metallica is pretty yeah. clear because one thing I love about this is because the British, in the framework of this, the British have often taken things we've created, like like rock and roll, comic books, for instance, sometimes movies and stuff, and elevated them. Like, we created rock and roll. They make the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and blues. And they, they end up perfecting these sorts of things. The one thing they created primarily is heavy metal. And then we, we in America took their creation and, and made, made Metallica, and Metallica is still the number one metal band. You know, in the 40 years later, still the top metal, metal band in the world. No one's outdone them. And so I think they're... I think that they're a very particular thing that America created using influences from other countries, and we actually did better than some of these yeah. other countries. They're the best example of it. You know, I, 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 the, the Brannion paradigm applies to them, <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> they, yes. are, they are the avatar of their kind of music. They are. Um, and I would agree. No, nobody can touch them. Nobody, they just made such crazy big choices and fulfilled the promise of each of them. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are those are persuasive. I'm persuaded by both of your choices. So am I. Uh, Brian, Impressive. Brian Frank, what did you bring to the table for the two, your two top American bands? Well, uh, Beach Boys and Metallica. Whoa! But, so I'll move on. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. We were supposed to bring two, yeah. and you brought two. Yeah, no, but, but you, you, know, no. you can move on. That's so, that's good to know that yeah. we're first of all. We it's should, good to know there aren't that yeah. many. <laughs> that we've clearly overlapped more than we've ever overlapped maybe here. But, you know, yeah. I was thinking about the qualification of it. Is it their longevity? Is mm -hmm. it their influence? Yeah. Are they the, you know, the avatar of their genre, like you said? Are they the most American of the thing, right? right? Mm -hmm. Like there's different ways that you can sure. look at it. Yeah. And, and thinking about it too, it's like, in, you know, the United Kingdom or England... <laughs> Such a small, tiny little place sure. with all these artists that have, you know, changed the world. We've yeah, got fuck this them. Giant, vast country, <laughs> and it's hard to pinpoint. Yeah, it is. A number of bands that test stand the test of time. So here's my here's my two. I think so for the um, influence and the uh, power of the genre and the uh, cultural impact, I would go with Nirvana. Right. Yeah. But these are these are your, this is your number three choice right there. Well, his number two of the ones he's presenting to us legitimately. Right. Okay. <laughs> See, we don't I spun that. Yeah. It, right? yeah. Oh no yeah, no no! You you chose yeah. Beach Boys and <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, okay. but, we're not gonna. Yeah. But but he doesn't lose out on exactly. getting exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No 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 um, no no no. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Listen, what's been written has been written. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and, and my other, and my other choice is, um, is Adam's favorite band, uh, the Grateful Dead, because you think what? about, and here's why, okay, here's okay. why I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay. The longevity, right? Sure. Yes. Um, to me, they are the most American of any band. 
what is their genre? Okay. They have country, they have mm. blues, mm-hmm. they have okay. rock and okay. roll. Okay. This they is, have some psychedelia. Some logic in there. They create <clears throat> a uniquely American music. They defy all genres. And to me, if you asked, what is the genre of the Grateful Dead? I would say American music. Wow, that is well said. That it was is, kind of a mic drop. That I, is well I, I said, Brian Frank. To, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to listen to them, but I yeah. will, I'll, I will listen to you enough. talk about this. It wasn't enough. Yeah. It hasn't pushed I mean, me over, just, but, but it was well I, stated. I will say this, is that like if, when you apply the Branion test. <laughs> the Branion paradigm. paradigm. I would agree that the Branion paradigm, I would agree that the Grateful Dead are the greatest example of what they do in the genre of boring the fuck out of them. <laughs> oh, well, wow. but yeah, okay. no, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You know that I'm with you in that. Like, if I want to watch somebody that, just... I don't mean that, No, but really. if I want to watch somebody <laughs> just sort I, of tinker no. around on, on an instrument, like, that's the band to see. But I will say this, they are they are absolutely <laughs> the band that defines that. Do you know what I mean? Every band that yeah, no, every no. band that follows them, like Fish and all these other ones, they're just, everyone's like, "Oh, you're doing the Grateful Dead." The Grateful Dead created a, their yeah. own well, subgenre of no, preci- precisely, Kevin. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yes. I, I, I made that right turn to boring the fuck out of me, but they are the archetypal jam band. Yes. no other no other country and no but other I think band. Jam band, has jam band the jam is band. just a shortened saying Grateful Dead knockoff band is what it really is. We're all saying Grateful yeah. Dead knockoff band when we say jam yeah. band. Um, Good choices, well, I Brian. Think, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I totally agree. The The other thing I was thinking about when we were talking about this topic and when I was thinking about groups is I was thinking about, like, bands that had the most influence on me. Mm-hmm. Like, even though they might not be the best, right? But I did think of, of a couple of those. If we still well, that that that, that that actually sets up what I'm going to do because it's my turn oh, now. Perfect. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I haven't gone yet. I'm so no, sorry. Yes, but it, it's it sets it sets it up really well because before I was liberated by the idea that if somebody takes yours, you get to choose others. I was torn apart this week trying to decide on this one because Earth, Wind, and Fire had to be on my list. Uh, it had to be like mm-hmm. number one, but I had two others that. It had, I, I couldn't even, it was, I had to kill, it was a Sophie's choice. I had to kill a baby. And I won't even <laughs> tell you which one I killed because I don't have to anymore. No. Um, so here are the two bands. Because they're both, to me, they're archetypal, they're American, and they are my favorites. Um, one of them is the Talking Heads. <gasps> All right. All right. There's, yeah. there's never been anybody like the Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. They're quintessentially American. They're an American. They they personified a kind of quirky art rock that just, you know, absolutely activated me in the eighties of nineties. And I, if I can and add real quick, they're similar to the Nirvana thing that Brian said, and that they they redefined a whole. They, they changed the entire parameter of a whole genre of music. Yeah, and they changed, and eventually, with the help of. Um, with the help of a certain director, they changed the <laughs> what a concert film true. could be. True, very true. Yeah, I mean, stop making sense. It's still a, a towering, it towering achievement. Yeah, um, Talking Heads was on my on my list of 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 most influential on me. Yeah, and you yeah. know, they kind of they kind of go with the Earth, Wind, and Fire paradigm. Is that like not a lot of people will name Earth, Wind, and Fire and Talking Heads when you start thinking American bands because everybody goes to the middle of America with flags and white people <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and a, a bunch of urban art artists 
uh, like the Talking Heads or a, 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 an African-American band like Earth, Wind & Fire don't always jump to the front of your, your mind. But those are unbelievably great and unbelievably American bands. In, in fairness, they don't trump to anyone's list, even if you include the UK as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, people still just it, drop, yeah. they just drop the classic rock-sounding bands when you make the world's greatest bands. It just keeps going to that sort of list. And I just want to add, as crazy as it is, and I haven't seen it in over a decade, the Talking Heads movie, which is arguably all about the middle of America and being from America, um, True Stories, true stories yeah. is is worth your time. Oh, I love True Stories. I love I mean, both of those. Even films. though it's one of their weaker albums, it's a yeah. great it's a great movie. Um, Jeff, okay, Jeff, and my other oh, one, yeah. and I know Kevin, this was on your short list. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Tom Petty mm -hmm. is Tom Petty. I, I had a tough time with on my list because my favorite Tom Petty albums, my favorite two albums are solo albums of Tom Petty's, so I'd had a difficult time making him a band, but I'm with you. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It's like very Prince much and there. the Revolution. It's like Prince. Prince is obviously my favorite, but I can't make <clears throat> Prince and the Revolution the defining band. A band. Yeah. No, you can't. Except yeah. unlike, unlike the Revolution, Tom Petty spent his whole career playing with those he three did, or four guys. He did, but then he made his best two albums They are them. the top. <laughs> they're prob they're probably the band that I've seen live the most. So for me, evaluating the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers as a band is part of part of the live experience. I probably saw them like seven or eight times throughout my life. Yeah, and they are they were just the tightest, best band live I've ever seen. I was once I once had the privilege of seeing them warming up for and then accompanying Bob Dylan what? at Madison Square Garden, and that yeah. was. To that point, I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to that point, I'm surprised no one brought up Bruce Springsteen and the E Street band. I was just yeah. gonna say he, he similar <laughs> similar to that. I felt the same way. Could you put him in that? Because again, he's made solo records. They're great, yeah. You call it the E Street Band. Yeah, you know? and the E Street Band is, is an evolving yeah. is an evolving group for the first few albums. So it is yep. it yeah, it definitely fit outside the parameters. <laughs> That's great, Kevin. And with that, our show will now evolve into a commercial break. But we'll be right back with Brian's House of Wax. DDL! DDL! Well, I certainly am going to be buying those products, aren't you guys? Of course. Great products. So, it is time for all of us to huddle together, light our flashlights, <laughs> and move up this creepy walkway. Because we are about to open the squeaky door that leads to... Hit it, Kyle! All right. Brian Frank, Ooh. when you are not managing fantastic bands, you are collecting just obscene amounts of vinyl. Fantastic wax. Fantastic <laughs> wax. Now, what, what, give us the facts about this week's wax. <laughs> <laughs> wax facts. Wax why facts. did we call it Brian's House of Wax? We could have called wax it Wax facts. You know what? I think we know why. Wax facts. I think we know why. It's we a sub-segment of Brian's House of Wax. <laughs> oh, there you go. And now <laughs> Wax facts. Wax yeah. Facts is going to also need Welcome. its own theme. Yeah, it is. Now. And its yeah. own yeah. its own yeah. voiceover. Wa Welcome to Wax Facts. Yeah. Wax Facts is effectively the mud room within the entryway right. of yeah. Brian's right. House of Wax. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so here we are in the mud room. Um, so <laughs> tonight uh, we're talking about The Clash Combat Rock, which was released on May 14th, 1982, uh, which marks uh, 40 years. Uh, as of the time of this recording. Uh, as we talked about earlier, this is um, their penultimate album, although some might say their last, because it was their uh, 
last with the classic lineup, uh, including uh, Mick Jones and Paul. There is Simon. no clash without Mick Jones. <laughs> Who was go. that? Uh, Someone came in here and yelled uh, that. There was know. a man on I, the street. Some yeah. that's right. in the that, house of yelled that in. I think that was Mick Jones. <laughs> 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 He's no longer English. Yes. Um, and uh, this was their uh, this was their fifth album, and uh, their best selling album. Actually, they're most successful. Uh, it hit actually number two in the UK, number seven in the US. Uh, wow. Thanks to thanks to a couple of hits, bona fide hits. Rock the Casbah hit number eight in America, number thirty in England, and Should I Stay or Should I Go, which hit number seventeen in England and number forty-five in the US, but has gone on to be much more successful as a song, even though the contemporary chart positions weren't that high. Um, so. For those of you who haven't listened to that Clash uh, podcast that exists, narrated by Chuck D, I so highly, highly recommend it. And I felt like trying to even talk about this stuff is just a waste. Like, I just want to tell Wait, people. Chuck to listen D to hosts a Clash podcast? Yeah, it was like maybe six episodes or eight episodes, all kinds I'm of. I'm intrigued. Or, Color you know, me intrigued. Yeah. Oh, it's, wow. it's I'm, absolutely incredible. I love Chuck D. I would not yeah. have pegged him as a Clash guy. It's it's one of the like production wise one of the greatest podcasts ever. I think it's it's incredible. Anyway, so let's talk about this specific album though. Uh, which uh, so the band had had uh, you know their successes. They had been growing, but they had some internal tension um, at this time, and uh, there was a battle. I would say between. Um, you know the two the two main guys, which is what happens in bands <laughs> a lot. Um, and so you know, much <laughs> much nothing. like much so it's like Joe Strummer and, and, and Mick Jones is what you're Joe saying. Joe Strummer and Mick Jones. Thank you. So uh, they started recording at Ear Studios in London uh, a little bit, and then they decided to go back to Electric Lady Studios in New York, where they had recorded their previous album. Uh, and they spent two months recording this album. Then they took a break. They went on a six-week tour. They went to Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, and Thailand, hmm. which is actually, that's where the album cover was shot. A uh, little fun fact there is a picture of them in Thailand. And if you have the uh, original record or the reissue that I have, it also includes this nice little postcard photo of the band in Thailand, which is one of my favorite photos of the band. Um, so after the six-week tour, they came back to London to listen to what they had recorded a couple months before. And they had recorded 18 songs. And Mick Jones wanted a double album with these long kind of dance songs. And remember, <laughs> their album just previous to this was a triple album. And the one before that was I was, was going to say, that they have set a precedent. Sandinista set, and, yeah. yeah. And London. They yeah. had set a precedent so, for doing that very thing. There you go. And uh, Joe Strummer disagreed. And the interesting bit for me is their manager, Bernie Rhodes, who was their original manager, who had been fired, but then brought back for this album. And the reason why it was brought back is they were bored by how efficient and well-run their business was <laughs> by their new manager. <laughs> and, Brian, and I want to say too it's efficient. You're fired. Yeah. It's also awesome how you are always finding the interesting stories about the managers, too. Yeah, yeah, well, I love that. There's, there's a background here. Um, <laughs> but uh, but um, they brought him back to inject some of the uh, energy that they had had earlier in their career. And Bernie Rhodes uh, did something really um, impactful 
which is he recommended Glenn Johns to mix and edit this record. Um, and what Glenn Johns did was he took Mick Jones' original 18-song, 77-minute double album and turned it into a 12-song, 46-minute album. Wow, Which wow. then became their most commercially successful album ever. Oh, so I would... It's kind of like what you, me and yeah. Kyle did with last yeah, week's episode. But, I mean, and I'm, I'm the one always saying that too many <laughs> records are too long, and they, they, they figured out a way to, to yeah. get this down to gold. There you go. And when they were remixing, Strummer and Jones redid their vocals on Should I Stay or Should I Go and Know Your Rights and really remixed the songs to try to make them more impactful as singles. So they knew what they were doing. They had, they had a missionary. So obviously it worked. Um, I just have a couple of fun facts to finish up uh, our mudroom here, um, <laughs> which is uh, Wax Facts. Wax Facts. Wax Facts. Uh, wax facts. Uh, Rock the Casbah was written by Topper Heaton, their drummer. Wax fast. How crazy is that? And he played like most of the instruments on it. Played most of the instruments. Wow. They Did walked in that. on him creating this song. And, you know, Joe Strummer changed the lyrics, but it was his song. Wow. It was his composition, which is like, sometimes, and I'm going to raise my hand on this, sometimes the drummer's got a good idea, guys. Just listen to us every once <laughs> yeah. in a while. Just once in a while. Stand, Stand up for your drumming. What kind of crazy talk is this? Um, they're not all murderers go ahead (laughs) exactly (laughs) another uh another fun fact is um if you listen to the song ghetto defendant on side two we're gonna get into that that is alan ginsburg murmuring some bizarre uh vocals including uh the the buddhist heart sutra at the end of the song which is also making him the best singer on the album (laughs) Oh, oh hey And then, far. Uh, <laughs> la- last, last, last fun fact here. Wax the uh, backing vocals on car jamming are done by a woman named Ellen Foley. And from, I can raise my hand. I know that name. She's Go. she's paradise by the dashboard light. She's meatloaf's oh, really? woman. I knew yes. you were going to get that one. I did not, yep. so not know that. So she she first became famous on Paradise uh, by the Dashboard Light. But also, she sang two back up on two songs on Sandinista, Hitsville, UK, and Corner Soul. Oh. And after that, <laughs> all four members of The Clash appeared on her second album. And Mick Jones and Joe Strummer wrote some of the songs on that album. Is it good? And the reason why is uh, Mick Jones was going out with her, and he actually wrote Should I Stay or Should I Go? About their relationship. Wax facts. Wax facts. facts. Mic drop. All right. I don't even know how to structure this talk. I'm just gonna. (laughs) I'm gonna just say that I know Kevin and I were talking about this earlier, and Kevin, you had, you had never really paid much attention to this particular album, right? It was my first Clash album because I never really cared about punk. I was aware of the Clash, but I didn't buy any. Then on MTV, it was MTV. It was. it was uh, Rock the Casbah that made me think, wow, I got to get this album, and I did get it. But, Kevin, you came well, from the I, complete I, opposite um, direction. I didn't start getting the music, at least music I could buy myself, till The Clash were well done. And, in fact, I mean, yes, they made one record while I was buying music, but it, but it was not a record anyone was buying. So, to me, 
I only got into them later. Do you know what I mean? I got into them in, into the nineties, oh. and and so this one was always this was definitely in the presence into the outdoor era of Clash in my mind, where I was like, oh, okay, we know the first you know three are gold, and then it starts to. It's winding down, was my perception of this record. <laughs> the, the, the Clash. So what was it like coming to this record as a Clash fan, but having never really given it its time? Um, because I have my opinions about it, but I want to well, know yours. Well, you know what? I think there are definitely some things on it that... It frustrates... Some of it frustrates me, because I feel like if they kept going this direction, they could have owned the 80s, and they kind of ended up sitting it out. And um, and I do... Because I do think there's some very strong stuff. Some of their absolute best songs. Some of their we'll call them experiments that are leading to songs that could have led to a really cool sound. I know Big Audio Dynamite starts getting into some of these sounds later and stuff. Like, had they... Uh, I have to talk about Big Audio Dynamite. Had they stuck it together, had they kept it together, like, The Clash could have had another strong strong 10 years. Um, You know, but, like, the prime example, what we get into one song is, I think Know Your Rights is some of my favorite lyrics of all time. I think Know Your Rights... The song, if it was a better song, we'd be all, we'd yeah. be singing that song to this day. Like it would be one of the all time. There's a classics. lot of unfinished music. There's a music. There's a feeling of musical unfinishedness. Yes, and I'm so with you on the big audio dynamite thing. Um, it's the 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 second. I, I want to bring Jeffy in because I was listening to this album and thinking, wow, that first side is full of hits and awesomeness. And then the second side starts with kind of a funk number, which is unexpected but great, and then becomes sonic experimentation, which I was thinking maybe Jeffy's loving this. Was <laughs> Jeffy loving this? <laughs> well, here's the thing. You know, the the first side has all the hits on it. So you're – I had never listened to this album. Oh. Never. Yeah. I had heard the hits, sure. of course. Um, but – you know, for me, like I, the way I start to talk about these albums I've never heard of is like the songs that made me pay attention, right? Right. And um, I think it was it was straight to hell with oh, the, the last That's a great song, the last great. song on the first side, mm-hmm. and I definitely so thought was of this it album that one way. side too long. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> okay. Because okay. I really liked, I think you were right in your prediction that starting with Overpowered by Funk, I mean, I loved the second half. Like, I loved all the crazy. I loved all the partially developed ideas. I loved, you know, I would love for someone to explain the first 40 seconds of Ghetto Defended to me, but, you know, <laughs> I... <laughs> If you, th- you know what, slam as, dance. As long as you've landed on Ghetto Defendant, I'm gonna have to do this at some point. I, I really did like revisiting this album, but it really brought home to me that my biggest criticism is that those guys can't fucking sing and they never learned how. <laughs> but and isn't that the? Isn't that why we love always, them though? There's that, well, yeah. before you say the thing that I know you're gonna say, <laughs> let me point out that like it's only with vocalists that people who aren't really into singing go like, well, isn't that what's cool about him? Because he doesn't know how to sing, but he just does it his own way anyway. <laughs> um, and um, and and you know what, Kevin, you would never accept that about a guitarist. No, yeah, I he would. never really oh, learned how no, to play a chord, I absolutely but, you know. would. I absolutely would because okay. I definitely yeah, okay. no, that's a side story, but no, I I like in I like things that sound original and I can't stand if it sounds like 
40,000 other people. I, so that's I, the clash. I love original yeah. sounds, but I think just like playing a chord on guitar, learning how to use your voice is a skill. Learning I how to control guys, it. I wish these guys had done that because there are moments, and I didn't notice this when I was a kid, when I was grooving to combat rock. But as an example, Ghetto Defendant is the song that is, it's a reggae groove and Allen Ginsberg is talking and Joe Strummer, God bless him. I love him. There's parts of things about him I idolize. His lyrics are unbelievable. We should get to the lyrical content of this album because it is a deconstruction of American foreign policy over uh, a 30 year period. And in it some got ways. so, it just was profound. I mean, if I had that information when yeah. I was 15, I would have changed my life. I didn't have that information. He would have yeah. gotten it to me. So on Ghetto Defendant, um, Joe Strummer's trying to sing a little bit like Bob Marley. He loves reggae. He's giving it a shot. Kyle, at about the two minute and 30 second mark, I want to bring people's attention to this painfulness. better than we just did there but not only is he at the end of his breath he can't he doesn't actually have enough breath to put that out because he doesn't know how to breathe as a singer but it's just <laughs> it's just painfully off key and it's it's almost insulting to all those reggae artists who had to make their voices perfect to break through the various barriers that it took to be a, a, a good reggae band and to hear that's all i want to say the my one big ding on this is those those vocals kill me. Anybody yeah, I agree mean, or am I, I just alone there? No, no. Straight to hell, you listen to the first 40, 50 seconds of the song, this beautiful syncopated rhythm, and then the vocals come in and kind of shit on it. But the words are great. The, yes, the words are but yeah. I I yeah, I, but I'm 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 agreeing with you that the vocal quality is such a clash with the hey. With the beautiful, like, let's let's listen to the first few seconds of, of Straight to Hell. Can we All do right. that, Kyle? Awesome. Oh, that is fucking oh, that, great. Oh, that was no my, that's my favorite. It. I mean, the song, whole song is great, but that kicks in. That's one of my favorite parts in the album is the beginning of that song. But I would say to the vocal. Well, MIA yeah, thought M yeah, so, Yeah, exactly. Too. That, that, <laughs> and she did such a great job. She sampled it in the right way yeah. where it did, she just wholesale totally. took it. She reformed it into something different, which is so good. But anyhow, um, to the lyric, I get the idea that the vocals aren't there, but I also feel like that's. That's always been the clash. Do you know what I mean? If you sign up for the clash, this is what you're getting. Do you know? So it feels odd to me to go five yeah. albums in and be like, wait a minute, I don't think that this is working out on their vocals. Like, that's just been how they do it. <laughs> I would say that Joe Strummer took more vocal risks on this album than that he had before. That may be before, true. And, they, and, they were and not I do think it, and that I, might be tied to the experimental nature of half the songs, too. And I still love, yeah. I mean, Strummer, I think, is the lead vocalist on uh, Rock the Casbah. And by the way, what about Rock the Casbah? Because that's a fucking novelty song. I mean, it's a, it's a strummer lyric, so of course it's going to have to have some relevance. And that he he did base it on the idea that 
Iran's new revolutionary regime had banned Western music. But when you strip that away, it's the monster. Well, match. It's, yeah. it's a fucking story well, song. It's so funny. What struck me about that listening to it today is that it comes in, it almost feels like it, like in the 90s, they'd have these like Andy Wallace mixed songs that were obviously the hit singles. And that song feels like it's from a different album that they just like pulled in and put onto this yeah. record. <laughs> they patched on. They were like, it. you know what, we they need grafted. Yeah, they grafted into this with a different producer and mixer. And they're like, you know what, we got to get this, we got to get a hit on this. Uh, if we well, just, as Brian just pointed out, it's because they had a completely different um, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a uh, lineup there because the yeah. lineup was the drummer. I have to. And, okay. well, and he redid the vocals on it. Oh, interesting. What oh, I have wow. to wonder if so, there was, we have one, ha- ha- one side oh. that's very experimental on this single record, the first single record they made in so many records. What could that double record version possibly have been like if this is what we've ended up with a single version? That's I think it was Big Audio Dynamite. I think it was all Mick Jones's masterpieces. What were you going to say, Brian? Brian, do you know? I, I don't know, and I was thinking the exact same thing when I listened <laughs> yeah. to this because I, I had this on and you know in the, in the other room, in the living room, and so Laura was listening to it, and the first side <clears throat> is every song you know. Yeah. Yep. And you're like, wow, I can't believe all these songs are on the same record. This is amazing. Same song. And then you, and then you, then you flip the record, <laughs> and you're like, what the hell what just, just happened? happened? Totally. And, I, think, totally. I think it's fair to say that, yeah. that the side two of Combat, Combat Rock is the most side two side two in yes, rock yeah, history. It's, true, it's yes. the most As, B-side side two. Yeah. <laughs> And then you think, okay, what's the third and fourth yeah, What would that song? have been? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like, what could that possibly have <laughs> where been? Where does this go? Oh, where, yeah, where? It, it, it would be left? like the album version of Infinite Jest. It, <laughs> I love Infinite Jest, by the way. Uh, you know, I'm, I might be in the minority here, but I also love Big Audio Dynamite. And no, I, I think like that's too. what yeah. was happening there. Yeah. And, and you know what? By the way, just kind of as a side note, by the time he was doing Big Audio Dynamite, Mick Jones was happy to make fun of his own vocal shortcomings right which yeah. i thought was kind of fun yeah i don't know if joe strummer ever did you know, but, I, but I, famously, I wouldn't i wouldn't call that the height of self-awareness i mean the vocals well aren't great. I, I would i would point you to the song rush from the album big audio dynamite 2 it was a huge hit and he spends he takes a break to cut out the music and warble like an idiot and then have another yeah. englishman go like i wish i could sing like that yeah. <laughs> you know it was, yeah. it's just uh, here's the thing great. about joe strummer's vocal quality though is it is so quintessentially Clash, like Kevin's saying, you know, as you're getting the fifth album. And punk, and here's the thing, the, why I value it and the quality that I like of it is mm-hmm. it's as if he has been yelling at the top of his lungs all night. And yes. he's like, his throat is raw and bloody. I agree. That this, these vocals, these words, these lyrics mean so much to him. And he's yeah. so urgent in his delivery. And so I find it powerful. I agree with you musically and the key and all that stuff, sure. But it's just, it, it gets you. Well, into my, into, okay. into the point of it. Yeah, you know no, at, Brian, at, time, at times it does. Uh, Brian, you are, you just convinced me, man. <laughs> all right. Brian's got the <laughs> like, logos appeal to wow. me. Just no, got I, I mean, I, 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 I mean, from my training as an actor, I just think about how sometimes when you speak, it's because it's the most important. Like you don't use words until you have to, right? And right. to me, that sounds like he's so urgent with what he wants to communicate that it doesn't matter the quality, right? It's the passion behind it. 
Yeah, I'm, I, I get I've it. evolved enough as a host that I'm not going to jump in and contradict. I'm that. not. Well, I want to add to that. There's a lot of records from 1982 that are rock records that the vocalist hits every note, and we're not talking about those records right now. We're talking about this one. True enough. True enough. You know, like this has lasted for a reason, and part of it is the vocal style. Right, it now. is the vocal style. It's also the lyrics. I mean, they have so much to say about imperialism and capitalism and America's history. It's a little weird that they're so fixated on the Vietnam War on this album because that was, that was uh, you know, at least seven years officially in the rearview mirror, more like 10 years in the rearview mirror. But for them, I think they had just seen, I read this probably on Wikipedia, but they had I just seen so Full true. Metal Jacket. One of the Full Metal Jacket. That was 86. Or, no, 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 Apocalypse it was Apocalypse Now. now. Apocalypse now. Apocalypse and and, now. and yeah, they Apocalypse just... Now. Uh, they they were like, let's make an album about What's that. What's depressing? I mean, it's it's also a beautifully titled album. Combat Rock is exactly What's right. What's depressing about it is, though, I, unlike a lot of 60s rock, which I love, like the MC5, a lot of things are dated. Almost all the topics in this one, like Know Your Rights, aren't dated. They're very painfully so, I'm so applicable glad you brought right that now. Up. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit depressed and stunned by how it is still matters. Yeah, it feels, uh, Know Your Rights in particular, but several of the other songs too that kind of take on in military interventionism and stuff like that. It And it, it's just amazingly relevant right now. So I recommend the album, but, you know. Get all, get all you know, the Clash Just have albums. some edibles when you hit side <laughs> two. Recommended <laughs> with issues. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what, I agree. Do the world. And I agree with you. It's the final, it's the last Clash album. The next Clash albums aren't. Yeah. It's some other thing. Yeah, it is some other thing. And and those, what an incredibly talented bunch of guys. Well, this, we fought our way to some sort of agreement on the combative combat yes. rock. And we'll be back right after this. And we are back in dad band land. Welcome here to this magical land of dads. We're not all dads. And band, we don't know how to <laughs> Close band. Close enough. Uh, yeah. But you're here in dad band land. It's a land. A good time. It's definitely a land. It's definitely a land. <laughs> it's, it's a band. country. Show your passport yes. at the border. Come on in. Please uh, empty your pockets of all metal items. <laughs> metal. I'm just going to put this Dio record down right <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, see what I did there? Nicely <laughs> done, Brian. Okay, <laughs> so I know. here we go into our final segment. And I love that we're alternating between the two, between the hidden treasures and the guilty pleasures. And let me say... Our listeners have been amazing at submitting lists and lists of guilty pleasures. In fact, we have upcoming a special episode that is nothing but listener-supplied guilty pleasures. But I want to challenge you listeners to come up with some hidden treasures, songs that aren't as recognized as they should be, but you love them. And submit those on our socials, over at Twitter or Instagram, or hit us up at dadbandland at gmail.com. Um, because I want to do a special episode of Hidden Treasures because they're important and they're awesome. And we're doing some right now. We're going to start with Jeffy Branion. Jeffy Branion, what's your hidden treasure this week? Well, this was a rediscovery of mine after our Rio episode a couple of weeks ago. Um, I remember uh, there's a cover of Hungry Like the Wolf on this band, uh, this album that I used to listen to. Um and it was turned into a duet with a female, of course, which makes the song a, a bit less predatory. Um, <laughs> but uh, that song reminded me of the rest of the album. And it's a song, I don't know, these masterminds made two albums. 
they they're you've walked us down obscure. a long path without using any proper nouns. So we're just we're yeah. just yeah. we're floating here. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not tra- criticizing. Really no, I'm just no, saying no, you're he's, building, he's crafting tension. a tale. Yeah. He's is. Yeah. He's definitely oh, yeah. setting us yeah, up. Okay. Yeah. So this is a band <laughs> you've never heard of called Representative Ball, and this is their song, "Sleep Like a Baby." Such a lovely lady. Like a baby, damn! That's so, I love that. These guys, um, they made two albums. Um, I used to listen to this one just all the time, and it was like a bootleg I got from a friend. But now you can just get this on Apple Music. It's just on Apple Music. It was Jeffy. like, yes. is this from like two thousand one ish? Two thousand two. Gosh, what is the year? I don't. Let me. I don't have that. It sounds handy. like Laura borrowed my car and I, I got out of the store and KCRW was <laughs> on, still is, on the station so in accurate. 2001. That's, it's an early I, I it's an think 03. it might be 2004. I think yeah, I'm going to look it go. up. Kevin, you were going to say like something? That. I was going to say, Jeffy, I have, to, I have to ask because you set it up with mystery and you set it up with them being masterminds and you knew every section of the song to every detail are... Are you Representative Ball? I am not. Okay, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I am, very I am, suspicious. And it is 2004. <laughs> I have so never wow. heard of them, you but zeroed they zeroed right in on it. Awesome. There's yeah. this crazy, like, you know, alt-rock samba thing happening. Plus, there's this sort of like an Owl City approach to the vocals. It's, I, it's bizarre. Yeah, and all and the I lo- songs I really like have, some, have some mixture of all those qualities that you're talking about. It's definitely a novelty band, but they're just really skillful. And, no, that's, you know, that's not only is that a hidden treasure, that's a deeply hidden treasure because I think yeah, nobody's fucking deep, heard of that. Nobody, nobody knows <laughs> no, of them. Heard of that. Thank but you everybody for bringing should. that to the table. Hey, uh, Kevin Burke, what's your hidden oh, treasure? Oh, hey, me. Yeah. Well, my, yeah, my hidden treasure is a, a fresh discovery. I, um, mm. I, a very fresh in the last two weeks discovery, I, um, you know, we've talked about my love of British 70s glam rock before, of T-Rex and Slade and early Bowie and that sort of thing. I came across this band that I had only, I'd only read the, the name of the band. I'd never heard them because because when I was reading about these bands, you couldn't get this sort of music. So I came across this band on Apple Music, and it just blew me away. It's It sounds, I mean, it's got an early, if you love that early Bowie vibe, if you love big star if you love there's even like a bad finger quality to it like it, wow. this band called this band's called bebop deluxe and the song i'm going to play is called jet silver and the dolls of venus which is a very t-rex title if i've ever heard one <laughs> brian but, uh, knows him i can see it on brian's face yeah, yeah but very so off of this album called axe victim which does not does not <laughs> Mind you, this is 1974, so this is before heavy metal becomes what we all know and love, so Axe Victim <coughs> didn't carry the same. Whenever I ask Alexa to play Axe Victim, my kids get very nervous around me, but it's really the pleasant music you're Give it to, to us. Hear. Give so, it to us. Yeah, let, take a listen. Out across the heavens when you're sleeping in your bed Someone turns a light on Can you feel it burn inside 
Finding out I had a best friend that I did not know I had. It was Name like, oh my again. god, the ba- Bebop Deluxe. The al- this album, which is the whole album, is great. is called Axe Victim. But it was it was as if it was just a, I found a classic record that I always loved, but I just heard it two weeks ago. I just put it on and, and oh. it was so so good. So how is did it you recent? Dis- how, yeah, yeah no, 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 this is yeah. 1974. I just yeah. discovered it. Two how weeks did you just? Dis- yeah, I discovered it because I was having a, a very. These are stressful times, Brian, and I was having a very stressful morning. Yeah. So I went to Apple Music's Apple Essentials of glam 70s glam rock, and so naturally, <laughs> naturally, no it was way. playing. It was playing all the low hanging fruit, the stuff I love, but it was playing, you know, sure. Slade and and all those hits. And all of a sudden, this this very song came on, and I I just was driving, and I'm like, what. Uh. What is this? You, you know yeah. what? Speaking of Apple Music, I want to remind everybody, and this is an important thing for this week, we make a playlist of all the songs we talk about, including that one, that you can click on in the description of this very podcast. We make one every week, and so if you want to hear these things, and these are these are treasures. This is a great edition of... Also, uh, let me say that as much as I enjoy arguing about songs with you guys, like we do for most of this show, and giving each other shit... This, this final segment where we're actually showing each other stuff that we haven't heard, I love yeah. that even more. It's just the best. We get to I listen agree. to music together. I agree. I, I feel smarter when I leave this segment. Like, I've, yeah. learned, I've, I've experienced something. 100%. Yeah. Brian Frank, it what do you got for us? Um, so, so my song is, is also a, an older song. It's, uh, if you can remember back to 2010, <laughs> it was a, a much different yeah. time. Uh, in America, yeah, um, coming out of a, a great recession. We weren't, we recall. weren't out of it at that point. We were uh, still in it. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, this is a song. Uh, the first time I heard it was in a meeting at work, and I was like, "This song is such a fucking hit. This is going to be huge." And uh, before I left uh, the office, I asked for a. a burned cd of the song it was just one song and driving home i just listened to it in my car on repeat driving from santa monica for an hour on the 405 just blasting his song on fucking repeat and guess what guys <laughs> wasn't as big of a hit as i thought it was. <laughs> let me just cut in before we go yeah. to it and say if you're one of brian's clients listening to this podcast he often can pick hits as well <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Adam. But it's, right, it's, so what I, is this, I, but I'm with you. Your enthusiasm was you think so many songs should be hits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause, yeah. cause you so love tell them. us what this is. Yeah. Um, this is uh, a song by a guy from Atlanta named Roscoe Dash. And the title of the track is All the Way Turnt Up. Turnt. And this is the, 
turned up, and this is the uh, version that features Soldier Boy Tell Him. Let's, let's hear it, Kyle. And you know what? That sounds so, uh, so Atlanta, too. That is absolutely turn of the century Atlanta hit scene. Turn it turn of the 2010s. Yeah, turn of the 2010s. Right. And you know what? Whenever you start a song with a chorus, <laughs> you're, you're in. Just winning. You're in. <laughs> you're you're yeah. a Desmond Child. Just get, get straight to it. Just. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Let's quit reading. None of the second side the of the kids class. these days, yeah. you know, they have very yeah. short For attention, attention spans. spans. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're right. If you know you have it with a chorus, lead with it. Yeah. <laughs> the kids these days, they don't, they, they don't understand. They can't listen for very long. I used to have to walk five miles each way in the snow to get to the chorus. Now you get your chorus delivered to your door through the internet. Now it just comes. <laughs> yeah, there's an app for that. We used to save up all our nickels for the chorus. We would yeah, be listening to really verses. They would and tease verses. us with verse after verse. <laughs> My mom would, would make a pot of verses. She'd make a pot of verses for us, yeah. cold verses. And we'd be like, Mom, can we have a chorus? Please, please, just one, ma. Ma. It's really his dad band last. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, we're going to go to my hidden treasure now. Brian, that was awesome, by the way. I'm going to be that listening to that in its entirety. Yeah. And we're going it, to, it's going to be turned you know all gonna, the way up. <laughs> all the way, all the way. I think we're going to make it a hit listen, now, a grassroots if you're hit gonna, now. I mean, it gonna, could be a hit today. Yeah, we're going to yeah. make it a hit today. <laughs> if you're going to turn it, turn yeah. it all the way up. Why yeah. It's got to be turned all you? the way up. To, I yes. mean, because you'd yeah. be turned down for what? Yeah. Well, but it's not like yeah. turned one Ooh, or two. Goodness. Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. the after <laughs> report right. is that it was turned up to four. Yeah. Our forensic <laughs> evidence no is that the turned up level was very... Okay, so let's, let's, let's move on. I have a story to tell you. Speaking of dads, yeah, it's a dad yours? story. Mine is a story, so I'm I'm gonna. You're in the right place, so we're gonna. I'm gonna gonna hang back and listen to it. I'm gonna ask you, cute. You can comment on it, but I'm gonna ask you, cute little kids, to to snuggle in because Dad's got a story for you to tell you uh, to get to (laughs) my. Brian Brian has yawned so. I know. I just want you to know. Brian mouth was gaping. He turned into a muppet. It was a he was cookie monster. He's been a bear. This week has been so exhausting. But yeah, no, it was not. It was not Adam's story. It was this week. Well, my story hasn't started. You went full Cindy Lou Who on me, though, and I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> you're adorable. I'm going to get you a glass of milk in a second. Here we go. Um, so this is this. I want to take you back to the wild days of like 2011. My son um, was going to preschool at a temple, a Jewish temple. See, here's the thing. My wife started taking him to these mommy and me classes when he was two years old um, at a temple. And... And it was it was a class that had a good reputation, and after a while, she just she just loved it. Um, and and Baz loved those little classes, and there was nothing religious about it until one day, she's taking Baz to a class, and somebody said, "Well, you know, since it's Passover, let's all share our favorite Passover stories." And it was at this point that my wife had to admit that she was a Southern Baptist raised in Oklahoma. 
And it was, it was a little awkward, but you know, it wasn't a religious school. It was just a school that was sure. founded by a temple. But you know, there's one strike against us. You know, there's one degree of suspicion. But eventually, they they grew to love her. You guys know my wife. Everybody loves her, and they love my kid. Absolutely. And they let her know that, like, she should have you, made up a story, though. She should have just she, lied and made up nope. some random story. Nope. But she's All she so did nice. Was like, she couldn't have done it. That's no, not she, her way. That That's wasn't her way. way. But she's she so she did a- actually chime in. But my husband, you know, he's a 100 percent Jew oh, boy. Oh. Yeah. Jew boy. No doubt about it. So we got past it. They loved her so much. They even let her know that if we were to apply for their preschool, uh, which not everybody gets into, that we'd probably get in because they loved her and they loved my son and and all that. Um, And he did go to that preschool. Along the way, they found out that Baz's father wrote for Bill Maher, one of the most famous public. who's, who's Who's Baz's father? That's me. Oh, okay, uh, I just want to be clear. Yeah, one of the most famous public atheists in the world who had made an entire movie ridiculing religion, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so. so now, now they know this. They know this about, about their new student. And that probably sounds a little dire, but I have to add as a data point for Jeffy and Kevin, uh, I know Brian will back me up, that when you're Jewish, also being atheist is not necessarily a deal breaker. It's, right. it's, it's, you know, but we definitely felt like we were on some kind of like double secret probation here with these people. You know, there's, there's, there's the Baptist thin yeah, ice. and there's the atheist ice. You keep and, and, and this school is attached to a temple, even though it's not a religious school. There were, there were other, you know, Christian or non-denominational kids at the school, but there, there, there was a moment of truth that we knew was coming. And on open school night, we go to to, to see the school and all these little three-year-olds have prepared with the help of their teachers posters that have a cute photo of them. And it's like, what's your favorite color? Blue. Uh-huh. And what do you love to eat? Piscetti. And, you know, what's your favorite song? <laughs> and, all of, and all of the other ones were like, you know, it was fucking Itsy Bitsy Spider or some Raffy bullshit. One of the hip three-year-olds had a Katy Perry song. I remember that distinctly. And we get to my son's poster. His favorite song was this one. It's called Los Angeles is Burning by a band called Bad Religion. Love this song. (laughs) It's a great song. (laughs) Hit it. So, I think yeah. um, I think this story explains why we met at public school. <laughs> <laughs> they got over it. A teacher did actually ask with raised eyebrows about uh, Baz's choice of a band called Bad Religion. Um, but that, that's as far as it went. He was a headbanger, as I think I've told you guys, from the time he was two. Like, something activated him. When he heard me listening to this song, that's all he wanted to listen to for several months. But I love that song. Uh, I know it's... Um, some of you... you ha- I know Brian's heard that song. No, I know. But, I remember the video very well, too. It was a great it's video. A great song. Yeah. Yeah. I was, that was a great renaissance for them. Because I actually... I worked with them in the mid-'90s. Uh, when they had their first commercial peak, and then they had a kind of doldrums period, and then this was really their return to, uh, you know, more mainstream success. Oh yeah, well this that album was the Empire Strikes First, if I'm not mistaken, yep. and that they were just outraged as everybody should have been. 
by uh, George Bush's invasion of Iraq. Right. And that yep. galvanized them to make a superior record, I think. But that particular single, which is really just kind of a fun bit of media <laughs> criticism, is ju- that that song burns. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It's killer. And with that, we've come to the end of Hidden Treasures, but it's not over yet because it's never over anymore until <laughs> it is for me. So the I non-fat, is, non-lady get... sings, and that's Kyle <laughs> McGraw, our beloved engineer, producer, and jack of all really trades. This part Kyle, makes me nervous. Right, well, we have the crown of shame for the uh, guilty pleasures. We have the crown of fame, right, for this. Correct, correct. Uh, so when you guys sent me all these uh, hidden treasures. Uh, before we started recording, I immediately thought like, oh, okay, right off the bat, um, you know, I was going to go with Adams because I love Bad Religion. I love Against the Grain. Um, but you guys continuously just, you know, <laughs> you just surprise me. Um, so the crown crown of fame this week goes to Brian Frank. Woo! That pumped me up. Nice. Close second is Jeffy Branion. Are you all the way turned up? It pumps me up. turned up all the way. <laughs> yes. That was great. Uh, you I know what? Brian's got two. I've got two. I think the challenge is on. Yeah. It'd be, it, it, for me and Jeffy to win fucking one Whatever. of these. Whatever. <laughs> no, nobody. Well, well Brian no, and I no, tied. We tied one week in an unprecedented I'm, time. I'm, I'm so <laughs> glad that you can have some victories in life. You know, to me, this isn't a big deal, but I'm so no, glad no, that fine. for you, no, that, that's totally that's that how losers, that's how losers with, talk. That's fine, I get it. Jeffy, you're shredding paper. What is that about? Yeah, what's going on? It, it looks like you're tearing <laughs> it, your shirt. It was it was his acceptance speech. He was writing and he didn't no, tear it up when no. he did. When he did. Um, <laughs> I'm not tearing my speech. I'm rending my flesh. I understand. <laughs> you know, you are you, you know, are you buffling your burrows? What did you do? Buffling your burrows? That's what you do with your piano? I don't I'm even know what. It, the, Pumping the bellows, dude. Pumping the bellows. Your Buffalo, buffaloing the You're burrows. You're just making up words. I don't You're even. Buffaloing is not now. even a verb. Buffaloing. I'm, I'm Jamesing the burrows. <laughs> okay, we're we're out what? of here. What does that um, even mean? Kyle, thank you for that. You know what's unprecedented? Me and Jeffy winning one of these fucking things because we is. haven't yet. Uh, but is. we will Why someday. Is that? It's not important. It's not important to me. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. He's telling yourself that. No. Kyle's informing me that Jeffy has in fact won one already. Oh, yeah, it was the Great White North. The oh, Great White North. He did. Great White yeah. So it's only right, Adam. Great. It's only Adam who didn't win one. I'm the big loser. The immortal <laughs> words of Bob and Doug McKenzie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffy's now on board with winning now, right? Jeffy yeah, is winning. Yeah, I guess he is. What awesome so suddenly no, winners are good it's things. Not, it's still not important. Oh, Jeffy, hey. you blew it. Last thing, Adam, it's not because you're the one that makes me do the edits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure has nothing to do with that. Hey, Dad Band Land is produced by me and Jeffy Branion. Opening musical montage by Jeffy or Kyle. See if you can figure out who does what. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw, the crowner of crowns. And our theme song is by Adam Korn. We will be back, and let me remind you, we will be back in person next week. Yes, all the dads of Dad Band Land are going to be in the studio don't, together. Don't promise them. For the first time since the pandemic began, and I can't wait for that. Can't wait to hear all your reactions to this show, and this has been DBL. DBL! DBL. And we're out. Starburns Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.